Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to give them the tools to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk with this guest. And I always love every one of my guests. I learn from them. That Heck, that's why I do this program is just because, you know, I, I have made such great connections. I love talking with the guests. They, they all provide absolutely fabulous information. But today's guest is, to me, somebody who we're really going to have a great discussion with. So please join me in welcoming Jamie Hansen to our program. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know. This is going to be so much fun. And now, of course, we have everybody thinking, oh, my gosh, what does Jamie do? So let me tell folks your bio. So Jamie B. Hansen is a writer, speaker, and thought leader on women and business. With degrees in math and economics from Northwestern University, she spent her entire career with an economics consulting firm in Washington, D.C. Then, after earning her MBA at Duke, she made a career switch and spent the next 10-plus years as a business executive in the tech industry, working for companies like Yahoo, Fox, and Cornerstone. She is most passionate about innovation, open discussion, and leveraging all available talent. And Jamie wrote this fabulous book called Expanding the Conversation. And, you know, Jamie, you tell people what the book is about. Yeah. So one real quick thing. I think you misspoke there. You said that I spent my entire career in economics consulting in D.C., but I actually just spent my early career. So that's just, it, that's just it. And you have that word in there. So is your early career. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. No problem at all. Um, so, yeah. So what is the book about? Um I guess, you know, I would say the book is about women in business, um, leadership and, you know, leveraging the differences, but it's, I guess at the root of it, it's really about, you know, diversity is a really tricky topic Mm -hmm. and the height, there's a lot of rhetoric around it, which is great, Mm -hmm. but, and there's a lot of conversation, but I'm not convinced that we're having the right conversations. And so it's really about approaching these things from different perspectives, being really open-minded and, and honest and Mm -hmm. expanding the conversation that way. Right. Well, and let's get this out of the way just right at the very first. Men, and and this is, is, you know, what I got from your book. So I'm not, uh, men and women are different. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes. And the, but the important thing is that very often it's, they have complementary skills and knowledge. And that's what we really need to start tapping into as opposed to, Women have to act and be like men in order to be successful in business. And, you know, because that, to, in a lot of ways, is what we have been told is, oh, my gosh, little girls, if you want to be a CEO of a company, you have to act like a man. Right. And that's not the case because we are different. We are hardwired different. Our brains are different. And this is all about how to enhance and really embrace the differences and how that can make businesses successful. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I think that there's two threads there and this is something, and and you're right. I totally talk about this in the book Mm -hmm. and I've, I've learned a lot since the book. Honestly, I've had a lot more discussion about this and I've been educated differently and talking about the hardwired piece. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of people get hung up, right? Because it's like, it's, I mean, frankly, like change. Well, I think I think biology and really neuroscience specifically are very sexy. Mm -hmm. So if you throw in those terms, people think, okay, it it lends an element of credibility that's very different than, you know, just a a qualitative discussion. Mm -hmm. So I think people tend to go there as I did. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned, you know, since too, is that yes, our brains are different. But the question of is it innate or is it cultural? Mm -hmm. I've actually changed my tune on this a lot. I think it's really difficult. I don't think that we can answer that. Right. Like my my end my end game here is that it's it's inconclusive mm-hmm. because what I've learned is that our brains are actually malleable. Right. So at like society and, and cultural and you know these effects that you're dealing with on a day to day basis, 
they actually affect the your your brain. Mm-hmm. So I heard somebody actually say it this way, which really resonated with me. They said, okay, if if you talk about the brain as a hardwired organ, right? Right. It's really about the programming that matters more than anything. Which I thought was really an interesting way to frame it. And I think that's it's spot on, you know? Well, and I think in many cases, people use it, and, and both sexes, as an excuse. A hundred percent. Totally agree. Yes. You know, well, well, I can't do that because, uh-uh, no, you can learn and you can make choices For sure. to do things differently. Absolutely. And, that, and I think that's a huge thing, Deb. It's like, it's very intentional. And I think like... I think business, but I think more importantly, leadership needs to be intentional. Right. Well, first, talk to us about why you decided to even write this book. Yeah, so great question. So, um, so as you said, you know, I started my career in economics, obviously a very male-dominated industry at the time. Mm-hmm. Career switched to technology, also male-dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worked for really large public tech companies for a long time, so... I don't want to say I had it easy, but I kind of did. Like I was pretty, I had a pretty good life, you know, I was pretty, I was treated very well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did, my role was always, I was not an engineer. My role was always on the strategy and partnership side. So I I was afforded the opportunity to to see a lot of different leadership styles. Mm -hmm. And that goes goes across gender, across race and ethnicity and and culturally, because I worked globally. And you know, I'm not an anthropologist, but I really found it fascinating to see, you know, to see people's, their different styles and then how different people responded to them. Um, and then the expectations that were different. Um, so I just kind of, you know, was really fascinated by it and I was like, okay, this is really interesting. And then, you know, with, given my background with the numbers, I kind of did some of my own research and, you know, we all know the numbers are abysmal, right. For women in business. Right. That's not surprising. What did sort of surprise me, which maybe it shouldn't have, but what took me back was that I said, okay, despite the the rhetoric having increased so much in the last five or 10 years, right? You know, you have, we had lean in from Sheryl Sandberg, you know, Hillary, you know, of course, running for president. And then even, even culturally and entertainment wise, when you look at people like Beyonce, who's, you know, this phenom, right. And is in, you know, it has this award-winning song called girls run the world, mm-hmm. right. Or rule the world. Um, still the numbers are low. So I'm right. like, it's not just that they're low, but it's that they're stagnant. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, my takeaway was one of two things. I said, okay, realistically, maybe it doesn't matter. You know, we're not, we're not using 50% of the population to its fullest potential, but maybe that's okay. We're still really doing well as a country. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't buy that. So I'm like, okay, the other, the other possible are having the wrong conversations. And that's where I really focused on is I was like, I think that we're sort of talking into an echo chamber and it's become very polarized, the difference of opinions and people are unwilling to yield or to listen to another possibility. And that's where I'm like, we need to expand it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, one of the things you mentioned in your book is that the, the word feminism Mm-hmm. Has, has in a lot of ways become an it's an f word. The f bomb, yeah, that's what I call it. The new f bomb, <laughs> right? Where you know if somebody says, "Well, uh, you're just a feminist," or yeah, a feminist issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's a word that maybe we should just do away with. Right. But you know, it's it's not a bad word. No, because of of all of the thought process the processes that come with it. Right. I think you're you're totally right. I mean, by definition, of course, like who doesn't agree with feminism? Do you know what I mean? It's it's silly not to, but I think that there's sort of there's there's an illustration that's become attached with feminism that is you know very angry and accusatory and you know not fun mm-hmm. and and exclusionary. You know, it really it it puts back a lot of people that don't want to be associated with that and don't want to be yelled at and don't want to be criticized. And frankly, that's a lot of men, too. And we need men in this conversation desperately. Right. Yeah. Well, and for those of us of a certain age, you know, part of it is we remember when when feminism started. And of course, yes. you know, it didn't really it didn't start. It just right. maybe got more popularity would be. The, yeah. the, and that was a whole burn your bra and you of know course. all these various things, which I mean, that's certainly not what it means. No, but, but, and that, but it served its purpose, right? right? Like there was, there was a need for that. Talking. 
Exactly. Which was necessary at that time, which was Mm -hmm. perfect. Right now, I just think we're in a different place and we're like, okay, we need to be more inclusive if anything's actually going to change. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and as we mentioned, men and women are different. Yeah. And, and that's, that really is just a fact of life. Now there are, and, and, you know, there are male tendencies and characteristics and female tendencies and characteristics. And the cool thing is, both sexes have both of them. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's not that a man is a man is a man and a woman is a woman is a woman. I mean, you know, we we cross over and but you you tend to have kind of maybe a more dominant side. Right. And but, you know, it, it is something that I think so many people recently have come back to what you were saying. It's the men versus women. You know, yeah. I, I think of the book, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, Yes, but <laughs> it, it, it what that is is that is again saying that there are two totally separate things, right. and it's it's complicated because you know we're saying yes they are different, but in a lot of ways they aren't different. And, ugh, you know, and and this is why I think so many people tend to generalize and then throw up their hands in the conversation. Is it just yes. gets confusing? It does. It gets confusing. And, you know, uh, you're saying tendencies, which I like. I love that word. I should use it more, actually. Um, I often talk about stereotypes Mm -hmm. and I'll get in trouble for it. I'll get some pushback being like, well, you can't stereotype like that. And I'm like, well, stereotyping is not a bad thing, right? Like, And it exists. Yes. And it's just a way to communicate. Like we're just talking about as long as we understand that this is a, a generalization, not a de facto representation, right. then we can use it, you know, just to have a more productive conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. And the important thing is that we recognize it because exactly. then we can go forward and, and, and have it as part of the conversation. Absolutely. Yes. So one of the things that, that I wanted to talk about is the, the wage gap thing. And yeah. I love how you talk about it in your book. With the fact that, you know, and, and, you know, we were talking about this before, that you can make numbers say whatever the heck you want to, to make numbers say. And so a lot of people have latched onto the fact that women make basically 79% less than men. That's not good. You know, but I love how you explain that we're not really comparing apples and apples. And, and you know, so talk through the fact that we need to talk about more than just that 79% number. Yeah. So again, so I started my career in economics. So this one has always just fascinated me. And it actually kind of ties back into the whole burning your bra situation that you just talked about, because I think that the reason that that 79% figure has gotten so much airplay is because it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. and it's provocative, right? Like we can all see that on on its face. We're all just like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's Mm -hmm. totally unfair. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, there's, there's a whole piece of that, but what, what people are not talking about is sort of what's underlying that number. And that's Mm -hmm. where I think, I don't want to say they're being tricked, but sort of, you know, misled is the right word. So the 79% number where that is coming from, I think it's 78.6 actually, but where that is coming from is that's comparing all men that work full time versus all women that work full time. So, and it's regardless of education, of what you have going on at home, of the job you're doing, um, of the industry you're in. I mean, which doesn't even make sense, Mm -hmm. you know? So you're all of a sudden, you know, comparing a, a female secretary that is trying to feed four kids at home, um, and on top of doing her job, like she has to deal with that stuff at home versus, you know, a bachelor guy in finance with a PhD in applied mathematics. Right. They're not doing the same job, right? So they shouldn't be paid the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's missing out on a lot of the, the real conversation. So, you know, once you hold, once you control for all of these things, and there are a lot of studies that have done this, both public and private, the numbers are actually much, much closer together. Mm-hmm. Um, some some as close as like three cents apart and some as close as six. Now, again, they're not equal. We should right. talk about that. That should absolutely be a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's a far cry from 79 cents, right? right? Well, and, and, and yes, it is, it is obviously important that we discuss this. But I love breaking it down by industry because that mm-hmm. is where we truly see the big gaps that need to be fixed and yes. the ones where it's like, oh, maybe we just need to tweak. 
And, yeah. you know, before we, we jump more into this, I also want to, you know, mention the fact that, you know, when somebody, whether it's the government or just, you know, general policy or, you know, public awareness tries to force people Force to, this, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. When, when we try to make the wage gap go away through, you know, public opinion, through legislation, all those various things, that does no good. I mean, no. you know, the, the absolute worst thing is when you say, well, you have a quota yeah. and you have to hire X number of women, minorities, whatever it is, because then, you know, the business is not hiring the best employees, you know, and, and you point this out in your book. They're still a business. They have yeah. either themselves to report to or shareholders or investors or people like that. So they still they still want to get the best employees. And to be honest, I mean, who wants to be hired as the quota. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? So that's a really interesting one too. And so to me, that's a different issue than the wage gap, the wage gap and the government has, has actually tried to come in and monitor the books and mm-hmm. say, you know, we are going to mandate that companies over X number of employees actually go through line by line, person by person to make sure that their male employees are being paid the same as their female employees. Right. And to me, that's not only, you know, an encroachment of government on the private sector, but it's also, it, it's really time consuming. And again, it's not really getting at the right story. And and one thing, I want to go back to the quota thing in a second, but one thing that we didn't touch on, which I do think is important too to note, is it's not just industry, it's people have different needs, right? So like, and I'll give you an example here. So if if a man and a woman come into a company and they're both, you know, you know, applying for the same job, or maybe they both get the same job at the company, there's multiple positions. Mm-hmm. And the man says, look, I'm all game for this, but I want to, I, I have three kids at home and I have to work from home two days a week and I can only travel 10% of the time. I value my flexibility, but I'm willing to work for less, you know what I mean? Or even the company says that's fine, but then we're paying you less. The man has the opportunity to say, okay. Because all in, my total comp structure is financial plus the rest of it, the intangibles. And the intangibles absolutely include flexibility, autonomy, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And then if the woman is like, I don't care, I'm going to be here, you know, 18 hours a day, I'm in, and that's what the company wants, maybe they'll compensate her differently, Mm -hmm. right? And obviously, I switched the typical roles there, but, but there are things that people don't talk about, especially, and this is where I think the parental piece comes in play and and family responsibilities where sometimes flexibility or other things are just as valuable as financial reward. And we don't, we don't have a way to sort of quantify that in the same way yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, you know, it is, and that's why when we try to force the issue, why things get all muddied up. Um, Yeah. And it does a disservice to both genders, you know, because it's not allowing the, the best to succeed. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and, you know, we'll talk later on in the program about how women aren't as good at self-promoting and, and some yeah. things like that. But, you know, it, it, so this, this whole wage gap thing is, is so interesting because, as you said, when we talk about it by industry, it's very, very different. Yeah, it, it really is. And, I, and again, I mean, there's, there, to your point, there's questions there, too, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if you look at, you know, if you look at education, for example, mm-hmm. which is far and away predominantly led by women or right. have teachers that are vastly underpaid, which I think mm-hmm. we talk about as a society all the time. Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, we all say, okay, the future is built on these children and they're, you know, our number one priority and et cetera, et cetera. And yet they're not paid right. the way they should be. Mm-hmm. And education in this country is clearly broken. So are we not putting our money where our mouth is? Where is that? And if, if instead the stats were flipped and it was, you know, 97% men as teachers, do you think it would be the same problem? Like, I, I don't. Right. So, like, there's an issue there, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and, and it's funny because you do talk in your book about the fact that there are industries that are more typically female-dominated. Right. You know, whether yeah. it's, and, and some of that is healthcare and healthcare at the support level, yep. um, as you know, like as in nurses, totally. uh, those tend to be more women. Doctors tend to be more men, but that is, is getting more and more. Yeah. It's pretty equal. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and teachers, you know, things like that. They're, they are still women oriented. And one of the things that I, I love that you point out in the book is, you know, women go into those more maybe just because that's their interest. Yeah. You know, and, and trying to force them into a different role is just not going to work either. Well, and it's interesting when you look at the industries that are predominantly female dominated, you know, the big ones that come up are education, to your point, healthcare, social work, things like this, Mm -hmm. where when you look at the male dominated ones, we're talking about, you know, engineering, technology, finance, real estate. And the biggest differentiator in my mind is the value creation from financial terms. So the male dominated ones, they make a lot of money. Not, not that they don't get paid a lot of money. I'm saying their businesses create a lot of money, right? Right. Versus the other ones are more, I mean, one could argue more important for society, but they're not seeing the same payback or return in the same mm-hmm. way. Right. So I think that's a big divide, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, all uh, you have to do is look at what, what sports figures are paid. Um, yes. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I love sports. I watch mm-hmm. sports, you know, and, and I'm, a, I'm more of a college sports person. So that does kind of take the. the, the oh, the, I am too. That's fine. But, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you look at, say, a football player who gets mm-hmm. a contract for one hundred and thirty million dollars. Yeah. To play football. And we have teachers who cannot teach because they simply right. cannot eat. <laughs> you know, let's right. just be blunt about that. Right. Then that that's that is a problem. And that's but that's a different problem, mm, kind of, than what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, but it's a supply and demand thing. Right. right? right. So, like, mm-hmm. it's not the football player's fault that he's getting paid one hundred million. He can demand that paycheck. Right. So yeah. he should. Right. I mean, yeah. I, it's it's a different it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's that's a capitalist society. That's right. that's what we intentionally chose to build this country on. And his industry, football, basketball, yeah. whatever it is makes enough money that they can pay him that exactly you know that, yep. and and that's kind of where the, and so that's something from the consumers i mean you know we're more yeah. than happy to plunk down our hundred bucks for that ticket mm-hmm. you know and 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 still think well you know i'm not going to spend 25 dollars to help with a, a school drive to buy back exactly that's exactly right that mm-hmm. is exactly right right you know and, and so yeah that that's a whole different issue that you know yeah you know, and but it, it does you know it, it kind of highlights the fact that that in turn then does kind of lead to some of these big disparities well okay so now I want to go back to the quota discussion okay. because there's something interesting there too so that's that's different than the wage gap but right. it's um it, like like you were saying it's a very intentional action mm-hmm. not necessarily put on by the government but often put on by the companies themselves to right. say okay you Look know we're getting back we have a diversity we have a diversity problem mm-hmm. we're going to say we're going to mandate that we hire X percent women or, you know, these, the next five spots go to people of a different race or whatever, right? People right. that are not white, so on and so forth. And I, I'm with you. So like, so my whole time I was just like, I do not want to be hired because I'm a woman right. any more than I want to not be hired because I'm a woman. Right. Right. It, mm-hmm. it should be irrelevant. Um, and then it was interesting. I was leading, um, I was working with a venture capital bank and I led this roundtable discussion with a bunch of their portfolio CEOs. Mm-hmm. So these are, you know, startup businesses, but they're a little bit more established. They're doing really well. Definitely thought leaders and across industry. And these were men, women, and um, different races in, at the table. There was about mm-hmm. 15 of us. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. And we were talking about the quota situation and, and this, you know, not having an asterisk by your name, if you will, mm-hmm. that nobody likes that. And then there was one of the female CEOs at the table who was a bit older than me. She said, I disagree. And I said, okay, tell me why, what's going on? Mm-hmm. She said, she said, well, she's like, you know, I'm, she said, I'm, I'm a bit older. This is my third startup. She's been, she was very, very successful, this woman mm-hmm. and her other two. And she said, um, you know, I am asked a lot to be on different boards or different panel discussions or, you know, so on and so forth. And she's like, for sure, I know because it's, I'm a woman and there's not many, you know, female women entrepreneurs that have been as successful as I am. So she mm-hmm. says, she's like, I'm great. She's like, but I know I'm getting the call as the, as the woman on the panel, the woman on the board, right? In quotes. She was the token. She was the token woman. Yeah. And she said, so I know that. And she goes, but she goes, I take as many of them as I can. Mm -hmm. And she goes, and the reason is she goes, because those sitting in the audience or those on at the companies that, you know, I'm on the board of, she said, future generations 
they're not going to see the asterisk by my name. They don't know that I got the female slot. They are just going to see me as a woman on the board. Mm -hmm. And she said, so they need to see me to to know that that is possible, that it's doable. Mm -hmm. And she said, in this case, it's sort of a, you know, an ends justify the means situation. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting take on it, you know? Right. Yeah, because she could have said, well, I'm not going to do that because you picked me just to be. Right. Just because... And then, as you said, she would have lost that opportunity yeah. to put her point of view out there. Yeah. And she, and again, this woman is smart and regardless, man, woman, whatever the point is, this, this woman is a rock star mm-hmm. and she had something to say and she had so much, you know, knowledge to impart. And I was like, yeah, it would definitely be, we would be missing you if you were not involved in these conversations. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, they should be calling me regardless. And she goes, but if they're just calling me because I'm the woman rock star, I'm okay with that for now. Like I'll, right. I'll pay for it. I'll take the bullet here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the the important thing was that she was probably not promoting herself as, hello, no. I am this female speaker. Right, right. But, you know, she was she was saying, here is my expertise. Here's my yeah. knowledge, all of those various things. And, you know, when you saw her name, her picture, whatever, then you went, oh, you know, and, and she's a woman. Yeah. I mean, I think it got her in the door, but I think absolutely once she was at the table, like, you know, there was no question she absolutely deserved to be there. Right. You know, and the whole quota thing, I mean, it's it's interesting because from a business perspective, and this has in, in many ways kind of gone away where we would get certifications to be a woman-owned business. Yeah. Because companies, especially those that got government funds, and, and granted, I haven't bid on some of these in a very long time, so I could be completely wrong on this, but, you know, they, they were told, you know, as a business, you had to do you know, you had to have X number of women-owned businesses that you were doing business with. Right. And, you know, and again, that sometimes meant they weren't hiring the best firms. Right. And and I really did not want to be a woman-owned, you know, business. That said, my company name is Wise Women Communications. Right. <laughs> you know? so, You're like, yeah, so I'm, sort I'm of like one of those dichotomies, right. too. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that that explains, I mean, going back to sort of like how this conversation has become so insular is, you know, I think, frankly, if, if I'm a guy, especially if I'm a white guy and all of these conversations around gender and race diversity are happening mm-hmm. and there's, you know, these different spots held for different things, I understand why as a white guy, you might be, you know, first of all, questioning the ability of the person that got the spot ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And second of all, frankly, very resentful of it, right? right? right. Because and it's, that's it's really going to be a good work environment. Well, exactly. Like that is not conducive to expanding the conversation. And then on top of that, you know, these guys then can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. So, cause, cause they can't say that obviously, cause that would right. sound terrible. Oh, yeah. So they Off can't they say go that. to the HR office. Right. So like, so the resentment grows, but instead I'm like, if we could have a really productive conversation being like, yeah, I understand why you feel that, but do you understand that we have a problem that needs fixing? Like, Mm -hmm. do you have other ideas how to get, you know, how to get minorities and women exposure in a way that frankly, white men don't see as a problem because they've never experienced it. And it's really like, it's, it's really like trying a way, trying to figure out a way to get people in the conversation so that they can understand both of all the multiple sides, because that's when change happens. Once you really see different points of view, you're like, okay, I get it. Now let's brainstorm together how to solve both these problems, you know? Yeah. And a lot of that does come back to recognizing that we have different skill sets and different yeah. abilities. Um, you know, and, and for example, you, you know, you talk in your book that women, ha- uh, and, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, we're not more emotional, but mm-hmm. we think from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's funny, as, as I was talking about this, I was remembering that five years ago ish, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, may not be remembering the the exact numbers on this, but the automobile industry actually Uh figured out that, and, and, you know, this was big studies that were done that women make about, and you know, this, this really was at least five years ago, if not longer, women make 86% of the purchasing decisions on everything. You know, yeah. And, and including cars. And yeah. so automobiles. That number is, is stayed the same, by the way. Right. It's really. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, the consumers. We're the yeah. ones in the purchase. We're, yeah. we're the ones that are picking things. And yeah. so, you know, the, these automobile manufacturers figured out that they had to appeal to the, the women. You yeah. Know, and in a variety of ways. And so they started having women pick the paint colors. 
you know, help them design the ads, you know, all these various things. And sure, you know, I mean, there are still and, and it to, you know, sometimes it's more that the type of car that is going to appeal more to a man than a woman, you know, like a fancy sports car typically right. tends to, you know, all those various things and get on right. stereotyping. But when the automobile industry figured that out, I think that was was huge. Yeah, we just don't hear about that that much anymore. No, no. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's the different perspectives, right? Because you don't, everybody in business knows you don't know what you don't know. So a good leader is going to find people that do, and that Mm -hmm. means different perspectives. Right. And it is in tying all of those together, you know, and, and, and it honestly, to me, doesn't really matter what the product or service is. It is about appealing to everything. I mean, there are things that are going to appeal to somebody on price. So that's kind of the number thing. Um, you know, let, let's cars might be a good example. How reliable is it? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? A woman might actually care more about that because she doesn't want to be stranded somewhere with her four kids. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, you know, and 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 the man's going to think, well, I can work on it on my own. You know, and, and you know, obviously we're talking generalities and, and things. No, like but, that, but but that's actually like a perfect example, Deb, because yeah. that's not that's not a biological hardwired thing. Right. It's not like a, a, a one month old comes out of the womb, a girl saying, OK, I can't be stranded mm-hmm. in my future life with my four kids. I'm like, you know what I mean? But it's because of the way that our society works. Yes, you're right. Typically, a woman is going to think like that and that I need a a reliable, safe car. Whereas a man who, by the way, also might have four children, doesn't necessarily think like that, you know? And he, or he might be the absolute worst mechanic in the world. And he's thinking, totally. it better be reliable. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's where, you know, to, to, to bring this back around, that's where when we have people on our teams who have those tendencies for both masculine and feminine on those teams, that's where we, we get the best product or service that's been designed. I agree. And I, and I also think it's a way to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I was actually reading something about Microsoft CEO that, that recently said empathy is such a huge characteristic right. that has to be a part of all businesses going forward if they're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And it used to be that, you know, empathy was typically a characteristic associated with women, right? Mm-hmm. But again, it's not that it's not that we're innately better at it. I think we've had a lot more experience with it. Right. But it's something that when incentivized appropriately, like, oh, this is actually advantageous in business. There is a reason that men should be like, all right, help me. Like, how right. do I learn? Like, and same with women that they can they can learn from each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and as marketers, we are told that what we need to be doing is developing a product or service that solves someone's pain. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and so the only way we're going to know what their pain is is to be empathetic. You yeah. know, to think, oh my gosh, what? Why do they want to buy this? What problem is it going to solve? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think I've heard from a lot of entrepreneurs that say, okay, that makes total sense. In for example, in the auto industry, like you're saying, right? right? But you know, I run a, a women's female clothing e-commerce site. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of my consumers are women and I don't really need men on my team. And I would argue, I think that you do. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Right? Because like there's a different perspective. And mm-hmm. yes, women, you know, we, we often like clothes and we dress up and we know what we're picking and we're the ones making the purchasing decisions. But frankly, if, if the majority of guys think that mini skirts are heinous, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be fewer of us wearing miniskirts. You know what I mean? Like, cause we do care. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously the same goes for, for the, the opposite situation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and, and it is true. We have to, we absolutely have to have the perspective of, of both. And that's where it's hard as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, because we're here by ourselves Yeah. You know, or we, we have such small teams so that's where mastermind groups come in. We're just, hello, asking your friends, um, yep. social media, all those various things. That's where you can use those tools as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur to, to get those differing points of view. I, yeah, completely. Totally agree with that. Well, one of the things, and, and I mentioned this, you know, and then said we'd come back to it, is this whole idea that women don't self-promote. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we see that all the time. We don't ask, and, and I'm, you know, putting we in, you know, my little, my little air yeah. quotes, but you know, we as women don't often ask for the higher salaries. We don't ask for raises. 
you know, we, we don't, we don't self-promote. And, and it's funny, I was remembering as, as we were talking before the program, I work with people on how to use LinkedIn as part of their job search. And so one of the things that I always tell them is, you know, say you're looking at a a list of 10 job qualifications, you know, to, in order to have this job, you must have yada, 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 yada. Right. A man will look at that and go, well, I can only do two of those eight, but I can either delegate or I can learn how to do it. Exactly. So they still apply for the job. And women look at that and go, I can, I can only do nine of the 10. So I shouldn't apply. (laughs) Right. right. And, and it's, (laughs) <laughs> it, that's not a positive or a negative for either one of those. No, you know, it's not it's saying that men are being it. right. Yeah, you know, it's it's not saying men are not being truthful. Mm-hmm. You know, or women, you know, are are self limiting. This is kind of the way things are, and so we do have to stop and kind of rethink that. You know, if you're applying for a job, can you learn those skills? Yeah, I've done that. I mean, I have applied for jobs where I thought, you know, I really don't know how to do that, but I can darn well learn how to do it. And yeah. you know all these things, but but yet talk to us about how women, kind of in general again, don't self promote, and how that really is a problem. Yeah, so it's funny because I am terrible at self promotion. So and I and I recognize it about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just something that you know, like many women, I'm very uncomfortable with. We're so, told it's not ladylike. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of part of it, right? Is that mm-hmm. it's, I, I, you know, I, I did a lot of research on this in terms of, is it a confidence issue? Because I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm not confident. Right. I just feel like, well, I sort of, you know, erroneously feel like the world should be a meritocracy, that if I do good work, it should stand on its own, right. which mm-hmm. we all know is totally not how the world operates. Um, but I, I do think, it, you know, men tend to have a different... I, bravado, Mm -hmm. which is how they express their confidence. So I don't necessarily think that men and women have different levels of confidence. I think it's all about in the way that we express them. Mm -hmm. And I think in today's society, really across the world, a lot of confidence has been, or, uh, you know, that bravado has been confused for competence. And that's where the, the difference lies. So, you know, your question of, okay, how do we get women to do a better job of self-promotion so self-promotion or a different way? Um, it's something that I think about a lot. You know, I think, I think it's kind of both things because mm-hmm. I think there are, I think there are little tweaks that we can do. You know, I think, you know, we do have to be taught to ask for a raise because that's not going to be given to us necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you want it, you have to learn to fight for yourself. And I think that's really important, but by the same token, you know, women naturally, again, I'm generalizing, but women are very good at that. Collaboration is the wrong word, but more sort of collective, you know, helping support, helping support women. I have absolutely no problem promoting the craziness out of my friends that are amazing, right? I'm like, I will sing their praises up and down, go all over social media, do everything that I need if I believe in a friend's work. But when it comes down to my work, I'm just like, ugh, like it just feels so awkward, right? Mm -hmm. And so not genuine for who I am. Mm -hmm. But there's a way to use that. So like, you know, as we grow our networks, which I think is also a critical piece of this is expanding the networks of women and the access, you can help others rise. And so through that, that almost becomes even more impressive. You know, if, if I'm a CEO of a company and I'm hearing about the great work of, of Barbara, through, you know, 10 of her colleagues or partners that she worked with in other companies, I'm probably actually going to take that more seriously than if I hear from Susan, who is telling me herself how awesome she is. You know what I mean? Well, and it's, it's funny because, you know, that's what I teach businesses on, on social media. I tell them, you know, you saying your product is fabulous. We're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Of course you're going to say that. Right. But if 20 people who I don't know, <laughs> if 20 people say, oh, my gosh, company X has the greatest product in the world. We're like, oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and so it is just kind of that tendency to, you know, to, to that we believe word of mouth more than when we promote ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge is like getting in that door in the first place. Right. right. Like, how do you get those 10 companies to try out your product to right. see that it is awesome? Mm-hmm. You know? 
Yeah. I, there's another, um, I was, I was doing another conversation at DePaul university actually, and mm-hmm. we were having this great Q and a afterwards. And someone said, you know, there's all this talk about lean in and raising your hand in these meetings. And, you know, this woman said, I don't know, maybe I just don't think fast enough, but like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like just say my opinion out loud. I'm just not comfortable with that. She's like, but I'm very good. Like I I'm following the thread. I just have a lot of questions before I state my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so I said to her, I was like, okay, so do it your way. Ask right. questions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you can have a voice, having a voice and leaning in doesn't just mean sitting at the head of the table and shouting out your answers to every question. Right. Like there's another way to have a voice, which is communicating with those around you and asking others questions mm-hmm. so that you're, you're being a part of the conversation. Your voice is being heard. Right. There's a lot of value in asking questions just as much there is in stating the quote unquote right answer, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Right. Well, and it's funny because words really are, are kind of the, the crux of all of this. And, yeah. you know, I, there, the way we use them, the specific words that we use to describe, you know, all those various things. And, and so that reminded me, I've, I have a button, you know, like a button that you would pin on your shirt yeah. on my bulletin board that I got several years ago. And it was, um, it's, it's a program that was created by the Girl Scouts. And disclaimer, I am a, I am a Girl Scout. Okay. Um, but it's called Ban Bossy. And I'm going to read. This is from the website. So it says, yeah. when a little boy asserts himself, he's called a leader. Yeah. Yet when a little girl does the same, she risks being branded bossy. Yeah. And what they don't say is there's another B word that she also risks. Well, that happens um, later, but yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then words like bossy send a message. Don't Absolutely. raise your hand or speak up. By yep. middle school, girls are less interested in leading than boys, a trend that continues into adulthood. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love that concept because I love that, that. Is, that is kind of, you know, now to me, bossy is just a weird word. Um, but it does. It, it, it does. I mean, there is that other B word mm-hmm. that when we you know, when we start asserting ourselves, yeah, sometimes we are branded with that word. Yeah. And but part of it is how we go about it. You know, were we overly aggressive? Were we, you know, and, and are, were we trying to go past those stereotypes? And and it's funny because when I see women try to outman a man, is yeah. maybe what I'm trying to say, that's where sometimes we get that, that other B word um, because we're not being ourselves. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned that several times. We still have to be ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, look, there are some women that are, you know, not, not bossy, but they're loud and they're aggressive. And, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't ring, it doesn't ring untrue because that's really who they are. Mm-hmm. So you don't think of them in that way. You're just like, yep, yeah, that's, that's Carol. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but then I think there are other women who it's clearly not who they are and they're doing this because they think to your point they you know, they need to outmend the men. Mm-hmm. So they're doing that and it doesn't ring true. And therefore you're just like, why are you trying to be someone you're not? you know, and it doesn't work. Well, and that goes into to everything that we do. And, and I love the fact that in your book, you talk about how women dress sometimes gets yeah. all messed up in the, in this whole thing. Um, and, and because we do, you know, we, in many cases, we are trying to be like the man. Um, I, I recently lost a whole boatload of weight due to a, a medical complication. And, so I had, and I lost so much that there was no way that my suits that I had were going to fit. And I had like 30 suits oh, wow. that were not going to fit. And so I gave them to this great organization who gives them to, to uh, women who need them to go on job uh, <laughs> interviews. So, I mean, this was, this was great. And, you know, and, and it was you know, fun to be able to get a whole new wardrobe. But what I was trying to get to with this was the fact that I thought, why did I have all those suits? You know, was I trying to, you know, was I only wearing a suit because I thought I had to? Yeah. And so I now have one suit because, you know, there are some times where it is the appropriate thing to wear. But I only have the one and I got rid of my high heels. But, you know, and and, and I love the fact that in your book, you talk about the fact that, you know, sometimes women think, well, you know, we're going to wear these high heels, but then they teeter and totter around and we wobble. And then we come across because there are other connotations with, you know, you're, you're, you're fidgeting, you're doing all of these things. The instability. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and, and so I changed 
mm-hmm. how I appear at, at things. And it was, you know, so it's kind of this whole, you know, cocoon, blossoming, whatever type of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of sad that I, it, that I had to go through this medical thing before I thought, wait a minute. I want to be me. You know, why am I yeah. dressing to what society thinks I should dress as? Now, that said, there are still times, you know, like I said, you still have to wear your suit on occasion. You know, and and, and you certainly don't want to go into, say, a networking meeting in flip-flops. And right, of course, of course, <laughs> right. Know? But I, but I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of that it made you think about it. That, right. you know, it, life goes really quickly, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. you, you go to school and, and then you get a job and, you know, it goes boom, boom, boom. And before you know it, you're, you know, you're, you're especially, I would imagine the, those in the audience, like we're all hustlers, right? We're ambitious. We're like, go, go, go. And it takes a little bit of a moment to say, okay, wait a second. Am I doing this because I want to do it? Like I, mm-hmm. I totally agree that high heels are so uncomfortable and I am very aware of the subconscious biases that exist when I'm speaking with somebody in them, but I love them. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to continue to wear them. But like it was, that became a conscious choice of mine versus the expectation of, well, obviously I have to get my first pair of heels for my, for my first interview, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you mentioned in your book, you know, the, the, the woman who might dress in, in a way that shows off her killer legs because mm-hmm. she loves her killer legs. And that's okay, as long as she then backs it up with her intelligence, with, you know, all of yeah. those other things. So that people are remembering, oh, my gosh, Jamie is this absolutely fabulous speaker, as opposed to she has killer legs. Exactly. Yeah. But it's about being comfortable with who you are and then not running from that either. You know, it's you. I, it's, it's interesting because both of these tie into something. When you were saying the words thing, I kept thinking of, um, again, Beyonce. I don't know why she's on my mind today. But, <laughs> but you know, she has sort of created this culture and, and the word associated with her, I think, is, is she's very fierce, right? right. And mm-hmm. so in, in the modern day and, you know, this generation, I, I, I hear all the time that women are fierce and badass and they're like rock stars. Like these are the words that are thrown out all the time. Mm-hmm. And I obviously, you know, consider myself one of these rock star women, mm-hmm. but I will tell you, I am so far from the word fierce. It is just not my personality at all. Like I'm actually laughing while I'm imagining myself as a fierce mm-hmm. because it's just not who I am. Right. So, I, you know, for a while I was like, Oh, I want to be fierce and I want to be respected in that way. And you know, I want to walk into a room in business and people stand at attention, you know, get in formation, whatever they say, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. You know? yeah, no. And and it is about being authentic to ourselves. Yeah. You know, if if you you know, if you have the type of body that, that you are comfortable with and I'm you know, and, and and it's it's again, it's you. You know, what you think, you know, so it's not what society thinks. Um, you know, if you're comfortable with dressing that way, you need to be comfortable, you know, you need to dress that way because, you know, say, say it's, you know, somebody who, you know, has, has an hourglass figure and they put on something that hides that just because they think that, you know, that's the way they should be. Then they're just, they're going to be less self-confident in everything that they're doing. That's exactly right. Yeah. Have you seen, um, Amy Cuddy's Ted talk? No, I haven't. She's phenomenal. I, see, look at this. I'm promoting somebody else during my own thing. Um, but she, she, I, I highly recommend this to everybody. It's C-U-D-D-Y, Amy C-U-D-D-Y. She's a sociologist um, and a professor. She does a whole TED Talk on power posing. Right. And it's fantastic. The, the hands on your hips. Yeah, like things. the superhero. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All of mm-hmm. that stuff. And she doesn't go so much into the, the clothing piece of it, but it is related because mm-hmm. if what you're wearing or how you're standing, you know, if it's the heels, if it's the short skirt, if it's a tight shirt, whatever the case may be, if you're, if you're focused on that and, you know, consciously or subconsciously positioning your body in a way that's closed or, you know, hiding or, or somewhat unnatural, you are not acting like this expansive superhero that has something phenomenal to right. say. Mm-hmm. And it comes across like that is perceived by both those you are speaking to and by yourself, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you live that perception. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's really important to, to dress, to act all of it in a very authentic way. I truly believe. Right. Yeah. And it's funny before the program, I was sharing with you that, you know, there were times where when I worked for a company, we would be interviewing candidates yeah, and it was myself and another man. And I, I always was fascinated with watching 
you know, if we interviewed the same candidate on different days, sometimes the, the, the female candidate would dress differently. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, with me, they would dress in, and I'm putting this in my little air quotes, professional. And, and then there were times where when they interviewed with the man, the skirt got shorter, the top got more tight, and maybe a little more cleavage was being shown. Yeah. And, and it, it really did fascinate me to see that because it was, you know, kind of a combination of what are they selling? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's funny, you know, I talk about LinkedIn. I tell people, you know, when you're having your LinkedIn picture, your cleavage really needs to be hidden because is that what you're selling? Right. Um, you know, and, and, but, you know, or was it that, you know, that the candidate thought, well, he's going to like me better if I dress like this, you know, all those various things. And that's where it's hard as a woman, because of course the guys weren't doing that. You know, right. they came in in a suit and tie, no matter who who they were. Well, it's not just that the guys weren't doing that. The guys mm-hmm. gave zero thought into that. Right. 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 Like their question was, do I wear the blue button down or the white button down today? Mm-hmm. Right? right. And so think about, again, it's such a good point because, you know, we talk all the time about the wage gap and all these different gaps and the confidence gap and all, all this stuff. And I'm like, it's just think about the time gap, you know, mm-hmm. the time that women spent thinking about how to outmend the men, how to come off professional, what's the right thing to wear, how, what you're going to say before you actually say it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're not spending any of these time actually thinking, like uh, right. bringing your value to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how am I going gap. to enhance that business? Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a huge gap that we both genders really need to focus on. Right. Well, and it's funny because I have several books here in front of me that, that I got out just because, you know, you and I were speaking about this. And I, I interviewed this woman on my program, and her name is Dr. Susan Edelman, mm-hmm. and she wrote Be Your Own Brand of Sexy. And part of the, the discussion that we had was on how you still have to be authentic to yourself. And, and so she wasn't, you know, in some ways, yes, she was meaning sexy as in sexy, but you still have to be authentic to yourself in the workplace. You know, if you're dressing, you know, with, with, you know, your collar up to your neck and, you know, all these things, and that's not who you are, you're so uncomfortable that you're going to miss out on other things. Right. But so, okay, so now what happens, like, let me throw you another scenario where, you know, you're, you're in a company and say you're a woman and you feel totally comfortable wearing something a little bit more showy or ostentatious or whatnot. You're, Mm -hmm. you're brilliant. You're like, whatever, my work stands on its own. So I'm going to dress like that. And that's fine because you're comfortable in it. But then, you know, uh, a boss or even just a colleague that's a male, like, is coming to you and they're like, well, we're going to head out. We want to go meet this client. But they're concerned with what you're wearing, right? right. The guy and into the society today, that guy can't really say that to you without being, you know, slapped with a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're, we're re- retracting the conversation versus broadening it. Like, right. we, we need to get, you know, we need to be able to talk about these things to understand the different sides before we make the decisions on how we want to act and behave. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's funny, as you were talking about that, I remember, and I've shared this story before with, with my listeners, that I worked for a nonprofit organization, and this was, you know, many years ago. And, you know, typical nonprofit, older women were, okay. were the employees and yeah. the volunteers. I mean, you know, that was just, you know, we talked about industries, and, and that was, you know, that really was it. And we had this one young woman who was drop-dead gorgeous. I mean, she was just, and, and the, she had this personality that was just like that too. I mean, you know, she was, she was everything that we all wanted to be 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and she wore the tight, short skirts and, you know, the push up bra and all of those things. And it actually was a distraction in the office. Yeah. So, you know, our little HR guy, guy, <clears throat> which was a little unusual, it was an HR man. He went to her and he said, you can't dress like that anymore. And smart thing that she was said, you show me where that's in the policy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but that's, and, look and, at how he framed it. You cannot dress right, like that. Right. Versus you know, like, do you understand? Like, this is the challenge we're having with right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and she was very smart, um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and she knew, you know, exactly what to say and, and what to do. And so, of course, what happened was we had a new dress policy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and then she was fine with it. She said, OK, as long as it applies to everyone. Right. I am fine with that. Well, um, and you know what? It goes both ways, too. So I, you know, at one of the companies that I was working with, there was a group of people and they were going to meet. They worked in the higher ed sector and higher mm-hmm. ed, higher education traditionally is a lot of older 
gentlemen sort of run that industry right now. And Mm -hmm. the team on it was men and women. And they were, they were all awesome, but they were pretty young relatively. Mm -hmm. And they went to one of my colleagues who is an older gentleman. He's not even that old actually, but he is, you know, he's distinguished and he has white hair and he's high up. And they said, we need you to come in the meeting and we just need you to sit there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he was like, you need my head of hair to sit in there. And they're like, that's exactly what we Mm -hmm. need. And of course he's, you know, he's super smart. And so he was part of the conversation as well, but Mm -hmm. they were honest with him from the get go. And he was able to like, you know, not just play his role, but then contribute in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, God forbid you have a company and it's a group of guys and they're going to speak to a, you know, a fashion house or a a client that's all women and they want to bring a female partner, but then she gets upset because she's the token female. That's where I think the optics get blurred and, Mm -hmm. You know, that's where the conversation just needs to be very honest and transparent. Right. And it's funny because as we were talking about this, I was thinking about dress codes and how when companies have them, frequently it is for for lack of a better word, to, to tone a woman's sexiness back. Yeah, down. it usually is. Yeah. And for men, it's more like you have to wear a tie mm-hmm. or, you know, you can't wear a T-shirt that has a logo on it. I mean, you know, because... I, I don't know. Can men dress sexy? I mean, I'd say I've been out of the dating game for a really long time. But but it's funny because we don't address that. You know, it's it's we're not telling a guy you can't dress in a provocative manner. You know, right. <laughs> and and so that come, you know, that it's it's just weird how that is kind of one of the things that that has, you know, that, that is part of the workplace. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, Jamie, we've only got a couple minutes left. You know, and I knew this was going to happen. It was funny when we were starting the program. I said, oh, yeah, we're, we're just going to scratch the surface. on <laughs> And and I think it's true because we we you know, this is a conversation that absolutely positively has to be ongoing. You know, and, and we see changes made and then we see back, you know, backsliding. You know, we, we were and you talk about this in your book, you know, when uh, politics is, is a great example. You know, I never, ever want to vote for a candidate simply because of their race or their gender. But, you know, we see that happen all the time, you know, and, and all of these various things. You know, I never want to buy a product because, you know, it was a man or a woman who promoted it. And, and but these things happen. And, and so, you know, this is an ongoing discussion that we have to have. So in, you know, we've got just a couple minutes left. What do you want people, you know, to, to really be thinking about, especially if you are the leader of yeah. a company? I, that's a great question, Deb. I I really, my biggest thing is I'm like, people need to, especially as leaders, actively and intentionally work to be inclusive in the conversation. I think, you know, inclusion is a word that gets thrown out so much with diversity and people are like, well, what does that really mean? Like everybody's invited to the happy hour. Like, how does that work? And it's not really that it's about the conversations need to be inclusive. So they can't be, they can't be abrasive. They cannot be at the same token. They can't be defensive. You know, you have Mm -hmm. to find, be willing to talk about things as adults, be open-minded to a different perspective and open-minded to somebody not changing their perspective. Right. But if if you think about it, especially as a business and you can realistically start talking about, you know, frankly, the financial rewards of diversity and really diverse thinking and Mm -hmm. the benefits of, you know, expanding the thought processes and the different perspectives. I think people will move away from what's fair. And I I put that in in the quotes, you know, what's fair and right versus Mm -hmm. let's talk about what's productive. I think we can all agree that we want to mill, we want to build a productive business here. What's the best way to do that? It's it's open, it's transparent, it's conversation that's inclusive of all different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it's, it comes back to what we said at the very start of the program. Men and women are different. Yeah. So let's embrace that and know how they work best together. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, and, and what skill sets they're going to bring to the table. In a complimentary fashion, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I really could talk about this all day. I think it's just fascinating. Um, you know, I, I have some some friends who have young daughters, especially that, yeah. you know, I know are worried about things. And then others, I mean, I have this one young friend who she is an engineering student, which is obviously a very male dominated field. And without a doubt, probably the smartest person I know, um, you know, and, and the struggles that she is seeing. But to see her, I mean, it, it's just such fun to, to see you know, the, the, the things that the differences that I know she's going to make, yeah. um, you know, in, in this world and to see how things really are changing 
but on the same hand to recognize that there's still a lot of change that needs to take place. Yeah. And, and I think you were right too, with the words too, in terms of being intentional there, like there are small things that we can tweak that actually make a really big difference in, right. in both perception in terms of how people think about things, men, women, mm-hmm. different ages, all of it. And I think right. if you're going to be a real leader, like you need to lead with intention. You need to mm-hmm. actively think about these things on purpose. Right. Well, Jamie, how do people find you and connect with you online and how do they buy your book? Yeah. So, um, you know, you can buy the book anywhere, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, also at my website, which is www.expandtheconvo.com. Um, and I love talking to people. And actually, if you like write me and you have a dissenting opinion or a question, um, I'm, I almost immediately engage because I love any dialogue like that. I love to be questioned and have to kind of go back to something and, 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 and hash it out. Um, I, so I totally welcome that. And there's a discussion board and I'm always posting different articles and things like that as well. Perfect. I love it. Well, I am Deb Creer, and I've been talking with Jamie Hansen. We've been having a fascinating time, and folks, I can guarantee I'm going to have Jamie on again. So, you know, we, we will continue this discussion because, as I said, I think it is something that we have to continue. And it's not about we versus them, and we have to fix this. It's just about making the changes that we should be making. Yeah. Absolutely. And I forgot to say, again, the terrible self-promotion thing. Um, I am on Twitter and also on Instagram. Um, in, they're different. Actually, I'm on Instagram at Expand the Convo and at Twitter, um, I'm just Jamie B. Hansen. So I, I'm on both of those as well. Perfect. Great. Well, as I said, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Jamie Hansen. And until next week, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.